Welcome to First Formation, spiritual exercise for Christian soldiers looking to get the fuck up and pray. Join Pew Pew HQ every weekday morning to hear the good news through grunts and with grunts in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Psalm 110, verses 1 through 4. The Lord says to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord sends out from Zion your mighty scepter. Rule in the midst of your foes. Your people will offer themselves willingly on the day you lead your forces on the holy mountains. From the womb of the morning, like dew, your use will come to you. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Exodus chapter 19, verses 7 through 25. So Moses came, summoned the elders of the people, and set before them all these words that the people had commanded him. The people all answered as one, Everything that the Lord has spoken we will do. Moses reported the words of the people to the Lord. Then the Lord said to Moses, I am going to come to you in a dense cloud, in order that the people may hear when I speak with you, and so trust you ever after. When Moses had told the words of the people to the Lord, the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothes, and prepare for the third day, because on the third day the Lord will come down upon Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. You shall set limits for the people all around, saying, Be careful do not go be careful not to go up the mountain or to touch the edge of it. Any who touch the mountain shall be put to death. No hand shall touch them, but they shall be stoned or shot with arrows, whether animal or human being, they shall not live. When the trumpet sounds a loud blast, they may go up on the mountain. So Moses went down from the mountain to the people. He consecrated the people and they washed their clothes. And he said to the people, Prepare for the third day. Do not go near a woman. On the morning of the third day there was, a th- there was thunder and lightning, as well as a thick cloud on the mountain, and a blast of a trumpet so loud that all the people who were in the camp trembled. Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God. They took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended upon it in fire. The smoke went up like the smoke of a kiln, while the whole mountain shook violently. As the blast of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses would speak, and God would answer him in thunder. When the Lord descended upon Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain, the Lord summoned Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go down and warn the people not to break through to the Lord to look. Otherwise, many of them will perish. Even the priests who approach the Lord must consecrate themselves, or the Lord will break out against them. Moses said to the Lord, The people are not permitted to go up to Mount Sinai, for you you yourself warned us, saying, Set limits around the mountain and keep it holy. The Lord said to him, Go down, and come up, bringing Aaron with you, but but do not let either the priests or the people break through to come up to the Lord, otherwise he will break out against them. So Moses went down to the people and told them, 
Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Therefore, we must pay greater attention to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away from it. For if the message declared through angels was valid, and every transgression or disobedience received a just penalty, how can we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? It was declared at first through the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard him, while God added his testimony by signs and wonders and various miracles, and by the gifts of the Holy Spirit, distributing according to his will. Good morning, and welcome to the last Sunday after Epiphany, also known as the sixth Sunday after Epiphany. This is Brother Logan Isaac, broadcasting from Ionsville, Maryland. This morning's readings come to us from Psalm 110, Exodus 19, and Hebrews 2. Um, but the um, yesterday's feast day of St. Valentine is one that's always kind of interesting to me. Um, the And I say that because a lot of people, including myself, um, have, are not um, very enthused about how much the the holiday has become just kind of selling cards and flowers and commercial crap. But um, <clears throat> that does not mean that there's uh, not some really interesting stories about St. Valentine that inspired, um, you know, what the, the holiday that we know today. Um, every caricature, every stereotype has, you know, is come from a, you know, a seed of truth um, and it just kind of expanded and exploded until it's almost unrecognizable, but it's almost always there. So February 14th is the feast day for uh, St. Valentine or Valentinus of Terni. Um, Terni is, uh, was within the Roman Empire. Um, he's thought to have been born around 226 and died about 270. Um, and he was a, uh, I'm trying to actually remember if he was a priest or a bishop, um, or we may actually not know. Maybe that's, that might be the point if, um, we know he's a clergyman, but we're not sure if he's a, a priest or a deacon or possibly even a bishop. Um, and the, uh, so he lived during the age of the martyrs, uh, which is this kind of—it's not an exaggeration, but it's—it's it's used to exaggerated purposes today. Um, in the in the third century, uh, late second throughout the third century, um, there were on again, off again persecutions of of religious groups. Um, the idea behind them being that. The emperors, the succession of emperors, sometimes there were several at once, um, they were worried that they, they knew that the empire was in decline, you know, depending on when, you know, Rome has been sacked once or twice. Um, and the reason that they think that's happening is that the Roman gods are not pleased. The Romans were pretty inclusive about their pantheon. Um, the um they you know it didn't matter who you worshipped as long as you worshipped someone and as long as they were happy with Rome. Um so for example, uh the the if if there was like a 
a city or a kingdom that they conquered. Um, they had their own gods. Those gods would be uh, expelled from whatever temple that they thought they, the Romans thought they lived in, and they were invited to enter the Roman pantheon. And then if those people that they had defeated, if they wanted to worship that god, fine, that's fine. Um, but you had to be prepared to, you know, they had to be allowed into the pantheon. This comes up in the um, the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 and again in 135. Um, when Titus in 70, um, he performs this this Roman rite called uh, evocative evocatio deum, which is basically the evacuation of the god from the the temple in Jerusalem. And that was a way of allowing Yahweh into the Roman pantheon, and then, you know, whatever Jews lived through the revolt, um, they could still worship Yahweh, um, but they would, Yahweh was a, one of many Roman gods that they were expected to worship. And the Jews didn't like that because there's only one god. And so there's, you know, the evocatio deum was like this magical, superstitious bullshit. Um, but anyway, so um, St. Valentine, uh, during this era of persecution, there are these, as I've said, on-again, off-again persecutions. Um, most people, most scholars think that Valentine died in 269, Um and he is depicted as a martyr. The problem with that is that the last major, the last persecution before the great persecution that Diocletian started in 303 ended in, two, in 260. So from 261 to about 300 um, is what's known as the little piece of the church. Um, and that is when the persecutions weren't happening um, and even up until 260, uh, the last persecution before Diocletian's um, was not directed at Christians. None of them were up until Decius in 249. Um, so it's plausible that you know somebody you know if you were a Christian you were you know hunted down and everything. Um, but the um, the timing is weird. So he must have died earlier if he died as a martyr, or probably. Um, and um, and the, the second thing, and you may have noticed I haven't said he's a soldier saint because he's not, um, but he, you know, we're pretty sure he really existed. His, there's a consensus at least on the date of his death, um, but the, the likelihood of it actually having happened in that time is kind of low. Um, but his connection with the military is, is kind of interesting. Um, one of the legends of his uh, about his life um, was that um, he would marry Christians to help the man avoid military service. Um, and being in Rome, he would have been, you know, we would have been talking about legionaries as opposed to auxilia. Legionaries were forbidden from marrying. Uh, you could not be married while you were a legionary for whatever twenty five years, um, depending on the time. But typically, twenty five or thirty year uh, period of service. During that time, you couldn't be married. Um, if you wanted a girlfriend, you'd have to pay for one. Um, and so, by getting married, it's possible that they could be exempted from the military. I don't know that it actually happened, 
but this is one of the stories about Valentine or Valentinus um, is that he would help people avoid military service by marrying them off and then making them exempt from it. Um, but this also means his help would only have worked for citizens. Non-citizens wouldn't have been helped because non-citizens, if they were to enter the military, they would have only been able to enter the auxilia, and you were not forbidden from marrying in the auxilia. Um, so it's this you know, kind of unfortunate thing that the more powerful citizens could be helped by Valentine, but not the less powerful non-citizens. However, if they were in the on the Italian peninsula the, the whole time, it's very, you know, it's unlikely that he would have encountered very many non-citizens other than slaves and um, uh, folks of that nature, um, because it's usually out in the provinces where the regular everyday resident was a non-citizen. Um, so uh, we do, you know, there's no reason to really doubt that this happened. Um, it seems to make sense uh, historically even if it's a bit one-sided. Um, so Valentine um, is the patron saint of lovers and couples, in part because he would marry them off to help the guy avoid military service. But he also really had, uh, I was about to say, had a thing for couples, and that just sounds weird. Um, but he had a special affinity to toward, um, um, you know, like uplifting and, and celebrating romantic love. Um, in Rome, it wasn't as, as common to do like arranged marriages. It, it was more common to have something like romantic um, relationship and to, to be engaged and get married as opposed to, you know, arranged marriages or marriages for political or, or uh, you know, to, to have some kind of political purpose or to gain money, like marry into money. Um, romantic love was actually a thing, um, and Valentine is known to have really supported relationships where he could. And so um, he is the patron saint of love, of romantic love, and couples and marriages. Um, and the story of you know avoiding military service is one, and, but there's others. I just think it's interesting, you know, that it's this really subversive act, um, you know, supporting romantic love, but also like trying to keep people from having to make the moral, you know, difficult decision in life of military service by, you know, marrying them off. It makes you think of contract marriages. Um, you know, guys in the in the barracks when I was uh, in the military, if, if you want to move off base, you're much more likely to get it if you were married. So you would get someone, friend, whoever, um, marry them on paper with just, you know, the uh, go to the court and you know you make some deal you split the BAH with them you get to live off base you get all these other more um, you know, privileges um, and so it's, it's not entirely different in Rome where married couples have privileges that singles don't um, but it's just kind of this interesting connection with military service and you know the, the Valentine's Day as we know it um, celebrates this originally celebrates this um, clergyman who would you know, kind of subversively go around supporting romantic love while um, trying to help people avoid difficult moral decisions regarding military service. 
a prayer for those we love, from the Book of Common Prayer. Almighty God, we entrust all who are dear to us to your never-failing care and love for this life and the life to come, knowing that you are doing for them better things than we can desire or pray for. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for falling into First Formation, where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hardy folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. If you like what you've heard, you can participate in one of the three following ways. First, you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash pewpewhq. You can contribute as little as a dollar a month, and you can cancel at any time if I ever piss you off. Second, you can become a co-host by recording a lectionary reading for a future episode. Instructions will be provided, and you don't have to be a grunt to collaborate with Pew Pew HQ in this or any way. Finally, you can also record and send prayer requests of a minute or less. Prayers can be included in the episode, read anonymously if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off-air. So there you have it, three ways to participate in First Formation. I hope you'll continue to listen, even if I can't convince you to jump in. This has been Brother Logan Isaac, always faithful, always family. Semper Familia.